0: Today's scripture comes from Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, my soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mark. Psalm 131 is this beautiful little psalm. You heard the whole thing. It's a short psalm full of some beautiful and poignant statements. Statements like, I don't occupy my mind with things too big or too wonderful for me. or, I am like a weaned child on my mother's lap. O Israel, trust in the Lord. The Lord is our hope. Some beautiful phrases. It gives a sense of peace and of contentment. But in reading the psalm, it can seem a bit naive, especially given the condition of the world in which we live. It can seem naive, but is it? Is it? Let's have a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We look at the conditions of our world today with the violence and the blatant racism and the injustice that is not only tolerated but sometimes celebrated and it can become discouraging or even depressing. Sometimes it feels like things aren't getting any better. Maybe they're even getting a little worse. And we know that there's a lot of good that happens in this world. We know that. We know that there are people who are speaking a prophetic voice against the hatred of this world. We know that there are people who are doing wonderful acts of kindness that are blessing people's lives. We know that there are people in our church, all of you, doing lots and lots of good things that bring blessing to people's lives. But we hear the news, and the violence of our time can overshadow all of the goodness. And worse yet, it can cause us to forget To forget that God has a plan for creation. God has a plan for creation. A plan that transcends our lives and our experiences. A big plan. It's this plan of God, it's not about the little things that happen in our lives, you know, little things like a parking space opens at just the right time and we thank God, or we catch all the green lights on the way to church so we don't walk in late and we thank God, or we're going to buy a pair of shoes that we've been wanting for a while only to find out that they're on clearance and we thank God. All these little things that happen in life, I'm not talking about that, although I would never limit the power of God to be involved in our lives. But the plan of God that I'm talking about is God's big plan. It's the plan that St. Paul talked about when he said, All of creation is groaning in travail, awaiting fulfillment of this plan of God. It's a plan for all of creation. It's a plan that is spoken of throughout the pages of the Bible. We hear it in the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. How God calls them and makes a covenant with them. That they will become, their descendants will become a great nation for a reason. To bring order to the chaos of this world. To bring healing to the brokenness of this world. To bring redemption to the sinfulness of this world. We hear it in the story of Moses leading the descendants of Abraham and Sarah out of captivity into freedom, renewing that covenant, setting apart a people as a holy nation for a reason to bring redemption to a broken and sinful world. We see it, this plan of God, begin to unfold even more with with the arrival of Jesus. This new covenant, not like the old, this one written upon our hearts, involving us, inviting us to be a part of this unfolding plan of God. Jesus talked about this plan all the time. He called it the kingdom of God. He announced that the kingdom of God was at hand, which means that the very plan of God is unfolding all around us. He Gave us little glimpses of what the fulfillment of this plan would look like as he went about forgiving people of their sins because in the kingdom of God the power of sin is overcome. Healing people because in the kingdom of God there is healing. Feeding people who are hungry because in the kingdom of God nobody goes without. And along the way he promised. He promised that this ultimate plan of God would come to its fulfillment in his return. And then he invited us to be a part, to be a part of this unfolding plan of God, to be a part of God's plan for all of creation, to live in light of the future of God. St. Paul talks about us having a part to play in all of this. He talks about it often. He talks about it in Romans chapter 12. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. He talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4. How it is that, that there is a ministry for each and every one of us. There is something that God holds for us. We each have a part to play in the unfolding plan of God. God has equipped us for whatever it is that God would have us do giving us gifts, abilities that we can use to further the work of the kingdom of God? Each of us given gifts and abilities. And Paul says that as we use these gifts and abilities, we further the work of the kingdom of God. We help build up the body of Christ in order to help us understand that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. He uses the analogy of a body, saying that each of us is like a little part of a body. Each of us a little part of the body, something that we can do. For me, my calling is to be a pastor. There's nothing special about being called. Every one of us is called. And this idea of being called suggests that there is a plan behind it. I mean, God calls us for a reason, right? For a reason to carry forth the work of God in an unfolding plan of God. Every one of us. Is called So there's nothing special or unique about that. My calling to be a pastor is not special or unique either. I mean, I'm just an ordinary guy like any other ordinary guy with hopes and dreams and desires and temptations, the whole works. I take my place in a long, long line of ordinary people that God has called to do something for the kingdom of God. But not only me, you also, each and every one of you, take your place in this long, long line of ordinary folks that God asks to do something that will be blessing to other people's lives and ultimately bring about the fulfillment of God's plan. God didn't ask us to be perfect in the work. God can even use our feeble attempts. I mean, we're not always great at what we set out to do, but God just asks us to be faithful. And God can even use the feeble attempts of somebody who is faithful to bring about something remarkable in this world. I remember my last Sunday as I was leaving my home church, Federated Community Church in Flagstaff, as Jerry and I, and our, at the time our two children, were headed off to New Jersey for seminary. On that particular Sunday, we had a guest preacher. Some of you remember this guest preacher was the worst preacher I ever heard. <laughs> he was horrible. He would just go on and on and on and on. And I could make no rhyme or reason out of what he was saying. I couldn't connect the parts. and just made no sense at all. And to make matters worse, he would say things in a way that made you think he was about ready to stop. (laughs) And then he'd take off on a whole new tangent. It got so bad that I found myself praying, God, just make him stop. God just make him stop. You ever prayed that prayer? (laughs) Maybe praying it right now, right? Well, of course, he did stop. He did stop. Service was over, and Jerry and I were, were saying our goodbyes to the good people of that church. When one of the saints of the church, a man that I deeply respect, a man named Jim, came running up to me, and he said, David, Wasn't that the best sermon you've ever heard? (laughs) I hope you learn to preach just like that when you're in seminary. And there there it is, that lesson. How God isn't dependent on our abilities to accomplish God's will and God's purposes. God just asks us to, to be faithful. God isn't limited in what God can do based upon the gifts that we have. God just asks us to trust and to step out and to act. God is not at the mercy of our effectiveness to accomplish God's will and God's purposes. God just asks us to be faithful and to trust that God can make something of this. Every day brings with it opportunities not just opportunities to do good. Every day also brings with it opportunities for us to participate in the brokenness of this world. By speaking words that are hurtful, by acting in ways that are hurtful, by leaving things unspoken or undone that bring about some hurt or pain in somebody's life, Every day brings opportunities for us to participate in the brokenness of this world. And participating in that brokenness can feel like it has some power, like it's moving somewhere. But the brokenness of this world has no future. It has no future because the future belongs to God. And God is good and every day brings with it the opportunity for us to participate in something that will last. The unfolding work, the very plan of God. Every day brings with us that opportunity to participate in that. And so often we can, we can get all wrapped up in thinking that what it is that we bring just isn't significant or sufficient or gonna really accomplish much of anything. What is a few acts of kindness really gonna do in the midst of a world like ours? But Jesus talked about that. He compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. And from this little itty bitty seed will come a great plant. And you know what mustard does? It takes over a whole field. The, The acts of kindness, the ways that we use our gifts to bring blessing to people in this world, it might be like little mustard seeds, but God, God takes what we offer in faith and begins to multiply it to the day when one time, when one day, there'll be a harvest. I like to think of God working in this world like, like God gathering up all the good that we do. All of the acts of faithfulness that we do. God gathering that all up in order to create some momentum that is pushing us forward to the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan, the kingdom of God. What's important for us to remember is that the plan is God's. It's not ours. The plan is God's. And what it is that we want or what it is that we think isn't as important as what God wants and what God wills. It's not about us. It's about God's unfolding plan. 1995, I went to First United Methodist Church in Tucson, Arizona. It's a church that declined for 35 straight years. Every year for 35 years it declined. A church that at once had 2,200 members and 1,100 in worship, when I arrived had 240 in worship. And what followed over the next three years was a revival. I mean, this wonderful revival where God was at work in his powerful ways, and the church had just began to grow and it began to thrive. It grew by 60% over three years, overturning 15 years worth of decline, and everything was going great, and you couldn't hardly wait to see what God was going to do next. And then you know what God did next? I got a phone call from the superintendent saying, we want you to go to university United Methodist Church in Las Vegas and I felt terrible. I felt terrible, I mean I felt like I was abandoning this church and that it was too fragile to be able to withstand this kind of pastor change. I just felt terrible and then one of the leaders of the church, a saint named Harmon Myers, Pulled me off to the side. He knew I felt terrible. And he said, Pastor David, the church made it the first 120 years without you. We'll probably be fine. And there was so much truth in those few little words. It was never about me. It wasn't about me. It was about God and what God was doing. And God could call forth somebody else as surely as God could call forth me. And that phone call ultimately led me to here. And now, 21 years later, at First United Methodist Church in Tucson, they have a ministry called The Inn, which works with some of the most fragile families in all of southern Arizona, bringing about great blessings. God takes that offering of the faithful people and gathers it together into this momentum that moves us forward toward the ultimate plan and fulfillment of God. There's something freeing in knowing that it's God's plan, not ours. There's something freeing in knowing that we don't carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, God simply asks us to be faithful. That doesn't take away our responsibility. God calls us. So there is ministry to be done. There's work that each of us are to do. It doesn't take away our responsibility, but it gives so much meaning and so much purpose to carrying it out, knowing that it's but a part of this unfolding plan of God. And there's contentment and peace that we find in knowing it's about God. And God's will will be done. God's will will be done. Faithfulness is enough. Jesus once said, if you have faith like a little child, unless you have faith like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. I often wonder if he was reading Psalm 131 before he said those words. I mean, we, we know the little children. Little children, they don't carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. It doesn't enter their minds to wonder if their lives are enough or if what they do is enough. They simply trust that what they cannot do for themselves, a parent or parents will do for them. And those of you who have children, you'll know what I mean when I say this. Little children have no clue how much parents do for them. They have no clue how much we do for them, which is exactly the point. We have no clue how much God is doing in and around and through us. But we don't need to occupy our minds with things too big and too wonderful for us. Because we're like children. Ween sitting on our mother's lap. Enough. It's enough for God.